0: Welcome to the Aussie Show of Entrepreneurship and Regional Development Podcast. Each publication in our journal is a great opportunity to share significant and audacious contributions to a large audience. My guest today is Catherine Brennall from the Manchester Metropolitan University. She recently published an article entitled Homogenization Processes in Entrepreneurship Education – The Case of Junior Achievement. She co authored this paper with Martin Lackels from Chalmers University of Technology and Per Blanker from Aarhus University. It has been published in Entrepreneurship and Regional Development, a journal by Tolan Francis. Catherine, welcome to our podcast.
1: Hello, great to be here.
0: Can you tell us what is the origin of your paper? Why have you decided to address this particular topic? And what is the question you aim to answer?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, the, the background to this paper, the origins of the paper, is that we, three authors, have got a shared interest um, and some shared history in questioning entrepreneurship education. So not just taking it at face value, but looking at it from different angles. Uh, we'd collaborated on a couple of conference workshops with this theme of uh, we need to talk about entrepreneurship education. And one of the texts that was really inspiring us in this work was uh, Ula Hitti's work about the MC education of entrepreneurship education. So she talks about the McDonaldization of uh, EE, so how there's this Standardized menu of uh, activities, things like business model canvas, pitching exercises, competitions that are reproduced around the globe, often um, in a very unquestioning manner. And um, in that assessment, she points to the role of junior achievement. Uh, in that homogenization, junior achievement is a large global entrepreneurship education uh, organization. So in, in this paper, we think of Ulla's work as expressing an outcome perspective, if you like, of where we are in EE, in, we're in this homogenized EE. Um, and we're, we're complementing that perspective uh, with more of a a thinking about the process. You know, how did we get here? And in particular, based on her signposting, our question is how may junior achievement have contributed uh, to this homogenization of the field of EE?
0: What are the main contributions of your paper?
1: Um, for me, the main contribution of the paper is is really taken as a whole. It offers a completely different perspective uh, on, on this global institution, junior achievement. Uh, so typically in EE literature so far, the research about junior achievement has focused on the effects of its programs. So we're often looking down uh, from the perspective of junior achievement and thinking about its impact on individuals. And in this paper, um, instead, the the gaze is redirected. We are are looking up. uh, We are reframing junior achievement as a powerful global institution. And in the paper, we're exploring... Well, how does its power operate? How does it shape the field of EE? How might this influence our ways of thinking and um, what we take for granted as natural in entrepreneurship education? And uh, this, this contribution um, opens up. It encourages, we talk about that at the end of the paper, all kinds of new research possibilities in this area.
0: What was for you the main theoretical or maybe methodological challenge or challenges in addressing such a question?
1: In in the paper, we're adopting this particular perspective called studying up. So uh, this perspective comes from an anthropological research, and it comes from the idea that too much of research is often looking down on people. It's making ordinary people the subjects of the research and not enough research is looking up and redirecting the research gaze towards the powerful, you know, organisations and individuals which shape our lives, which shape how we think, which shape society, but which often go uh, understudied. So a challenge in that type A challenge in that type of research is um, articulating uh, the necessary reframing of the ethical relationship. So, you know, instead of typical notions of do no harm and seeking informed consent and something like that, in in a paper like this, the first responsibility is towards people uh, and and public life um, and trying to Trying to explore and reveal power and how power operates uh, to shape lives. So it was, um, is really interesting and and valuable, and sometimes you know challenging to go through an ethical approval process uh, to uh, justify that reframing, uh, reframing of ethics.
0: During your research journey, what was your biggest surprise or the most counterintuitive result?
1: There were were a few times in the research process uh, because we we use junior achievement websites as um, the data sources, so the global websites, continental websites, the different arms of JA, alumni, partners, corporates. There is so much material. Uh, it, It is a you know a huge, powerful institution and there are a few times that we say we were saying to each other wow this is so big um there is so much to study so much that could be studied and yet inside of ee despite junior achievement being such a big player it it as an organization as an institution has not really been the subjective of um of much attention. So there has been research about junior achievement, um, some in critical education research, some sociological research, something like that. But in terms of inside EE, um, even despite its size and its power, it, it was surprising that so little had been done and also surprising how much more uh, can be done, how much more can be studied.
0: What are the main implications of your work for entrepreneurs, managers, policymakers, entrepreneurship, educators, practitioners in general?
1: Um, for me, the main implication uh, is related to the changed context in which uh, junior achievement and its programs now exist. So, in the paper, we talk about the history of junior achievement and the idea that it was born at a time when there was this shift from uh, rural agriculture to the intentional growth of free enterprise and consumption. Um, and so uh, its its programmes and its focus uh, might have made, made sense in that context 100 years ago. Uh, but the context has changed now and we have different social and environmental problems now. And we're at a point where there are calls from all all areas of society uh, to reform or transform themselves. And these calls are also being made very strongly in entrepreneurship uh, education uh, too. So, So an implication of this paper is that if if or when we can recognise forms of institutionalisation, you know, and that's what Hitti is saying, it is institutionalised, it's homogenised. You know, if and when we recognise that and recognise the roles of big institutions um, in that situation, it opens up uh, another possibility where we can also uh, think about routes to de institutionalise, reform and uh, transform. And uh, I think at the very least, (laughs) at the end of the paper, whomever the reader is, they are going to have a better understanding of how institutionalising pressures can work in entrepreneurship education um, and, and how those pressures contribute to making some practices and ways of doing E more dominant and taken for granted, even if they're contrary to research insight. And hopefully that can prompt some thinking and rethinking and new thinking.
0: Thanks a lot, Catherine, for participating to our show. And presenting your paper entitled Homogenization Processes in Entrepreneurship Education The Case of Junior Achievement. All our podcasts are available on entrepreneurship.ead.com and on the main podcast platforms.